the way we got into it was I was a very much a passive investor first. So anybody that's listening, don't discount the value of being passive and then don't discount the value of being an active part active passive. And then the value that you can provide your general partner is massive if you approach it the right way. And I accidentally fell into this. I, I didn't have my mindset on the exact same process, but now I go, it's a very repeatable process. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here is your host, Annette Talee. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Talee, and my guest today is Abel Pacheco. Welcome, Abel. Hey, thank you very much, Annette. I appreciate it. I, I like the way you pronounce my name too. It feels like that's that's how my grandmother used to call me, Abel. But uh, yes, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Super excited to connect with you finally. Uh, and let me tell you guys a little bit about Abel because he has a lot going on. Abel Pacheco is a real estate entrepreneur, commercial loan broker from Texas with a proven track record of repositioning properties, delivering quality renovated housing products to market, and delivering consistent returns to investment partners. Abel has experience in acquiring distressed properties, managing renovation, raising private capital, and managing investment properties. He and his wife have invested own and operated income producing properties and in about $93 million value um, and about 794 doors. He is the general partner and principal partner in 512 doors and a limited partner in 347 doors. That's a big, big number. <laughs> so I am excited to hear from you. How are you doing all this? Uh, but Let's start with your personal story. How did you get into real estate? Well, uh, I started investing in real estate in 2008. I think I have a very um, a typical investor background as I hear a lot of these podcast interviews and I am a podcast host myself. It, it starts with a, a something in mindset, a paradigm shift, a change. Uh, for me, not not unlike many others, was a Rich Dad Poor Dad book by R Robert Kiyosaki, and I read this book when I was uh, 26ish. So I was still uh, in college, and I was working uh, selling cars actually in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I had moved back for a moment. I wound down one job uh, and picked up that book, and I go, "Well, I'm doing something wrong," because actually at 26, I had already ran my first business. Uh, for five years. I uh, During college, I sold Cutco knives. So if anybody's familiar with Cutco, it's it's like these, you're selling knives, you do in-home presentations, you start with like your friends and family members, and you ask them for referrals, and then you go call people, and they will let you come over to their house and show them knives, kitchen cutlery. And uh, we, would, we would do that. That's what I did through college. And I started a uh, I opened my own business, my own office. They asked me to open a Corpus Christi office. And uh, that was my first taste of entrepreneurship. So negotiated some two commercial office leases and hired 
uh, staff and paid, you know, back then it was, uh, I put ads in the physical newspaper. It was kind of before uh, everything that we're doing now uh, on, on the internet. And so anyways, I recruited a bunch of high school and college kids to come work and sell knives. And I did that for five years and that was my first business. But what happened was I was a young guy, so I wanted to have success. I worked like seven days a week uh, for like three years. I don't think I took a day off. And I probably worked like 70 hours a week. Uh, they were, it was not a part-time schedule, but, but whatsoever. I mean, I literally worked 70 hours and for nonstop, I never even took the Sundays. And, and then I, I stopped and I said, well, I need to finish school, number one. So I went back to school. I closed that business down. I, I moved to Corpus. That's where I was from. So I was kind of hanging out with my dad, selling cars. And I picked up this Rich Dad Poor Dad book. And I thought that that's how, you, that's how business owners, I heard the word business owner, entrepreneur. And I imagine working 70 hours a week, seven days a week for the rest of my life. And I read that and I go, oh, I was doing it completely wrong. I was the individual operator, business owner. There was never a system that I was able to create. The moment that I stopped working, recruiting, hiring, training, that there was, there was no scale to that. And that's why real estate investing, it just made so much sense even at 26. And that's what we bought our first house. I had a few grand and I bought a, a house immediately, FHA loan. And uh, then I did that for 10 years. I, I bought single family houses. So that's kind of how I started. But let me let me pause and see if you have. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, you know, I think every entrepreneur had these side hustles. You know, growing up, I started with uh, selling candy at school, which was not allowed. So it was like a forbidden yeah. business. And then I, you know, sold creative memories, which was like um, scrapbooking supplies. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, it's always been in, in my blood to, to have a business, right? Mm -hmm. And real estate mm -hmm. is so much more scalable. So absolutely. And, you know, th that book, uh, Rich That Poor That, it's, you know, it was the first one that I also read in terms of real estate investing. And yeah. it did change my, my mindset, you know, and, and thinking about business in a different way. So uh, we, we have that in common. Yeah, Amazing. very much so. Yeah, I was able to uh, I was able to interview Sharon Lecter, who's the co-author for that book. Uh, her name's just not very uh, public, and and you know that conversation was amazing. I got to tell her probably the same thing that you know that you would say, which is why wow, it changed my life. And it was it's an amazing book. Uh, so I know it gets mentioned a lot, but it's it's yes, definitely worth it, mentioning it again. Yeah, it is mentioned a lot. Like I have to say, like maybe, you know, three out of three interviews mentions the book. Uh, yeah. But it is, it is. And, you know, the funny thing is like, it doesn't really tell you how to do it. It just, it's just like the mindset, right? Like you have to figure out how to do it, but yeah. it's just a, mind, a mindset changer. Yeah, you know, you know, the next, uh, like your point is um, uh, perfect, right? Because I remember reading that uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad and then saying, okay, how do I do this? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, if you've read the, there's another purple and yellow book, a rich dad advisor books is, is series, but it's ABCs of real estate investing by Ken McElroy. And actually that was my second book. And so I picked that up and I go, Oh, the ABCs, 
they're going to show me how to buy a single family house. And I'm a 26 year old kid. I, I, you know, they're going to show me how to do that. And then I read all this book and it was like how to buy a $10 million apartment building. And, you know, for, for 10, 12 years after that, what, what I would share with anybody is that I had this limiting belief that I could not do that. I was not the type of person that could buy a $10 million building or I could not raise capital or I there was no way that this 26 year old guy was going to do it. But I stayed in that 26 year mindset, 26 year old mindset for 12 years. I just bought a single family house and a single family house and single family house. And at work, um, we're dealing with these. Uh, then I had moved to an IT sales professional where I'm dealing with Fortune 500 companies. They're spending millions and millions of dollars, literally, you know, multi-million dollar deals that we're signing. But I couldn't put myself into a position where I said, I can go buy this. Uh, and so if anybody has a limiting belief about you can do it, you absolutely can do it. You just have to remove that cap from your thinking and, and realize every day, average Americans, you know, we have the ability and so much freedom in this country. You can do it. it whether you're born here or, or you're a native immigrant, like you can absolutely make it happen. So just remove that limiting belief and uh, go take action. Absolutely. And I think one way to to help that removing that belief is like surrounding yourself with people that are doing what you want to do, right? Because then you, you see it like possible. Like I'm the type of person that if I see somebody that I know doing something, I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it too. You know, but if you are not surrounding yourself with people that are doing these things, then you keep thinking that it's impossible until you see somebody that you know personally doing it and then you're like you know maybe this is possible um so that that's amazing the deal all right so what deal do we want to talk about today well uh you know why don't we talk about the first one because it uh it was really valuable for me um, and hopefully I can share that. So, okay. That, uh, before we start, let me ask you something. I, I just remember a question. How many single families did you have before you bought your first large multifamily? I got up to about eight, uh, single family properties before, you know, taking the leap on the first multifamily 124 unit deal. And, and how long uh, did it take you? How many years? Um, 10 years. 10 years. It took me 10 years to buy eight houses. And that was me and my wife. We didn't raise any capital. It was just saving money. We every two to three years, we well, in the beginning, it took like we bought one house in 06. We didn't buy our second house till like 2000. And I don't know, like four or five years later, right? It took us a while to save up another chunk of for a down payment. And then in my professional career, we were making more money. So four or five years later, she was making a little more, I was making a little more. We could save up a down payment of 30, 40K, something in that area. Uh, and we were buying houses in Texas and they were like 115 grand, 120 grand. So it was pretty inexpensive, but it took a little bit of uh, a while to save it. And then towards the end of the professional career, because we were making more, we, we were doing a deal like every couple of years. And uh, that's how we got up to eight. And then at the very end, we bought like two or three houses in like two years. Um, but th that's what it took. And then I signed up for some education and training 
and I, I signed it up for it in my head thinking, oh, apartment complexes, I'm going to go buy a building. And I didn't do enough due diligence on the training. I, I signed up for single family houses, like single family training. And I go, oh no, they're showing me all this stuff. Anyways, I spent all this money and I had to implement it. So I, I ended up doing in, in one year, we did 10 houses in one year. Uh, wow. I, yeah, I needed to make my money back after we dropped 25 G's on, on coaching. So then oh, I, I did all 10, 10 deals or transactions by sell in, in one but year. It, but it's, you know, you are bringing a point that is so important. I just mm -hmm. did a presentation uh, for a summit and I was talking exactly about this education. You know, you got to start with the education because it took me also eight years to buy 12 units. Uh, okay, because yeah. I couldn't, I, I was doing like, like you, I was, I bought the first one cash. So I took years to save the money. Then I bought it cash. I didn't yeah. leverage, you know, the second yeah. one, I saved money for the down payment. And it took me like a couple of years in between. I bought my house. Uh, yeah. That's why it took me a little bit longer, but still. And then the third one, that's when I started like, okay, you know what? Maybe I can, you know, get a hillock on my house. Maybe I can do this. So I started doing more creative stuff. But yeah. if I had that education, if you had that education on year one, yes. imagine where we, we would be now, right? Like yeah. being, you know, a hundred houses. <laughs> people get, you know, people get, caught up in the fact that they have to drop 15 or 20 or 25. That's a lot of money on education. And I remember right before I paid for my first educational class, I go, I don't know if I should spend this 20 grand here because I could probably just buy another house. Mm -hmm. And if I had done that, I may have been at number 11, 12, 13, like you, not uh, where we finally dropped some education and realized, oh, there's a different way to buy hundred units at one time. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it is, it is sometimes a little bit painful to do that, right? Like you don't, but you don't know the value until you do it. And then you see the value. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that start with the free education because there's so much free education. There's oh, yeah. I have a podcast. I have a podcast. There is YouTube. There is, you know, books that you can get out of the library, even like you don't have to spend mm -hmm. money, but once you know that you are serious about it, if you mm -hmm. are serious about it and you're going to put the time, you know, you can spend some money there and it's going to really propel you and take you so much faster than doing it by yourself. Um, and now I see the value, you know, I, yeah. after, you know, I was very hesitant to spend money on education before I am not, not so much right now. Like if I see, I see the value there, you know, yeah, me too. Now I do it time, for networking also. Yes. Now, now I do it for networking. Also, I'm like, who's just gonna be? Who's gonna be in the room? I'll, I'll pay seven grand to be in that room. But uh, anyways, it's uh, that's funny. All right, so let's talk now about this amazing deal, the first deal. Oh yeah. Uh, so it was super awesome. Uh, I'm super excited, super lucky to be on the deal uh, in the first place. So there's an important part that I, I I'll, I'll cut to the chase. It was a I'll give you the details and we'll kind of go backwards, but it was 124 unit property. Uh, we closed here in San Antonio, Texas. We bought the deal for about seven, a little over seven and a half million bucks, seven and change. And uh, what the, the goal for this property was uh, it's kind of like a, it's a C property in a B neighborhood. It's a, it's a pretty good neighborhood with a high average median income, great school district, uh, good high school in the area and the houses in the area are just, they're, they're amazing neighborhoods to live in. So if you can't afford to live there, the apartment complex is right there, take your kids to school. And anyways, um, on this property, it was, it was un, unlike um, 
well, I would say very much like, sorry, every other deal we've done, a value add. So we buy it. Uh, we want to bring the rents to market rate. We want to have professional property managers. We want to update the interior units. We want to approve the amenities and then attract a, a better you know, uh, tenant base. So that's basically what we did. And uh, we raised capital. I think the capital on it was like $2 million-ish. Uh, we probably had a pretty close to 78% or something loan-to-value. Loan it's, it's been a little while, but we got good terms on the lending. And then we raised a couple million bucks, and there's probably like 30-ish investors in the deal. Uh, we syndicated it. It was a 506B, Regulation D, 506B deal. Uh, for those that are uh, listening, it basically means we can have non-accredited, non uh, accredited investors, uh, 35 of them. And on that, we, you know, I think we had close to 30 ish people and there was friends and family. And, uh, there was three, three partners total on this deal. Uh, one more highly experienced me first timer. And then probably, uh, our, our, our second partner was in between or our third partner was somewhat in between. And, you know, the, the deal initially seemed like, so big. I go, God, $7 million. How are we going to raise 2 million bucks? And, you know, my, this is not my partner's first rodeo. He had done this already many multiple times. And, and so for him, calm, cool, collected, let's put the OM together. Let's put the numbers. I already made the offer. We already got it under contract. It was, I, uh, I think it was an, technically it was off market kind of property from the broker, uh, so it was probably on market. We just maybe not completely listed. And uh, essentially that deal uh, was the first one. Now, th those are the, the highlights, right? Uh, I think our investors were probably making 16-ish, uh, 17-ish percent returns. This was 2019. So we could, we could have a higher average annual rate of return for investors. Now it's getting very tight, but uh, it was a, a stabilized property. Um, 90%, you know, plus we still did a bridge loan to get some of the renovation um, on it interest only uh, for a period of uh, like three years, probably a couple extensions afterwards. And, you know, so that's kind of like this, this deal, right. But the way we got into it was, I was a very much a passive investor first. So anybody that's listening, don't discount the value of being passive. And then don't discount the value of being an active, part active passive. And then the value that you can provide your general partner is massive if you approach it the right way. And I accidentally fell into this. I, I didn't have my mindset on the exact same process, but now I go, it's a very repeatable process. So I invested with my, with my principal and partner once, twice, and then my wife got in a third time. We used our 401k money from work. We pushed it to a self-directed IRA and we pushed it there. So I, you can't invest as a principal with your own money. So I put it in there and I thought, okay, great. I'm, uh, you know, it's out there and I'm going to start uh, getting some track record experience. But I, I use that to ask some questions. I use that to, for some education. I'm invested in my own deals. But I told my partner, uh, Devin at the time, I was like, hey, I really want to go do what you're doing. Can you just teach me and mentor me and coach me? And he said, no, nah, I'm really, I don't have any time for that. But if you're an owner, I'll answer the questions that you have because you're an owner in the project. And I said, okay, well, cool. Here's my money. And let's go once, twice, and three times. Well, through that process, 
he said, hey, uh, you've really been taking a lot of education. I see you go to the conferences. So that's pretty cool. Those are valuable. Uh, do you have a, a, a website up and a logo and a, a card, a business card? And I said, yeah, I'm starting to do that. And he goes, start doing that now because you want to start raising capital today, not find a deal tomorrow and then have to raise capital. So I, I, that's what I did. I started sharing my passive experiences with other people and say, hey, this is the deal I just invested in passively is my first one. And so friends, uh, mainly from work, were starting to ask me, well, how did you get into that? How did you do it? And I started answering questions and explaining. And that was the quote unquote uh, capital raising for me. Those people were the ones that wanted to invest in my first deal. And, um, you know, that was very valuable. And then along the way, he goes, hey, uh, I think I'm, I think I'm going to start a meetup. You know, what, what do you think? You, you want to kind of do this thing together? And I said, absolutely. So I, I ran with it. I branded it. I, I invited all my network, social media, and also individual, you know, one-on-one phone calls, tell them to come to this education. It's free. Um, and he was leading the meetup. So I was getting education. I was bringing other people to him. He was getting other investors as well because he, I opened up my network to him and vice versa. So now I'm like in the room starting to edu get education. And also I'm at the front of the stage, even though it, was, uh, it started with six people, <laughs> I was still at the front of the room, but uh, you know, six and 12 and 15 and became 50 and 60. And then my last one before COVID was like 80 or a hundred people. So it was, um, and being there, you have other people that say, Hey, I'd like to invest with you. You're the guy in the front of the stage. So anyways, all of that stuff led up to another partner said, Hey, I found a deal. A partner Levi said, Hey, I found a deal. Uh, would you go, you know, want to go partner together? And Devin said, Hey man, you're providing me a lot of value. Not in those exact words, but Hey, can you raise a capital? Can you come be boots on the ground? Can you come do that stuff? Yes. Okay. And that's how I got the invite to be on my first deal. I didn't find it from a broker myself. I didn't have to negotiate it with a broker myself. There was no existing track record for me at the time because I hadn't done a deal yet other than a passive investor. I didn't have enough net worth or liquidity to sign on a loan, uh, but I'm in this 124 unit deal because of that process. And that's really the, my first deal and it's going well today. And uh, we're managing the property. It, initially we had third-party asset management and third-party management. Uh, my partner's grown since then. Now he has his own vertically integrated property management company. So it's his company that's that's managing it and also asset management. And uh, yeah, doing the unit up, upgrades and the exterior looks good. And if anybody's watching the video, it's this this property here with a couple of uh, these lawn chairs out on the on the pool, uh, Autumnbrook, and and now uh, rebranded as the the Mila in San Antonio, Texas. And that was our first deal. That that is impressive, and and you know I think you point something very important. Um, you know you had an opportunity, and you said yes, right? Like you know, do you wanna? I wanna do this meetup, and you said yes. You were ready to 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 do this. You had no idea how to do a meetup. You know, you've never done it before and you started yeah. with six people and grew it to 80 and, mm -hmm. it, you know, you provided value to him, like he said, right? Like you brought your network to him and now you are the person in front of the room next to him, the, the person that is providing education. And that's how, you know, you create your uh, thought leadership platform. Um, you know, the, for me, it, it kind of 
happened the same way. Like some, my, the, the leader of the meetup asked me if I could help him with a Facebook group. And that's how I started leading the Facebook group. And then that led to me now hosting the meetup. So, you know, for those people that are listening to us, you know, you need to be educating yourself and be ready for these opportunities. Because if you said no, he would have gone probably to the next person and offered that opportunity to the next person, but you were there and ready mm -hmm. to say yes. Yeah, so yeah that is, absolutely. That is awesome. All right, so let's let's back up a little bit and, and talk a little bit more about the deal because you know you had a lot of things you had in there a bridge loan and you know the down payments and syndication and and all these things that you know maybe some people don't don't know but um, let's start with with syndication um, so you know for those of you guys that are not familiar with syndication um, Abel can you explain to them how it works and how much of, of the down payment you had to bring because mm -hmm. you mentioned two million but what percentage of the deal was that uh huh. Yeah. So there's a there's a couple parts. So syndication is basically it's a it's a syndicate is the technical term. And what you're doing is we're partnering with other people all to come together and buy something bigger than what we would have been able to buy on our own. So I didn't have two million dollars for down payment. Nothing even close to that. So with 30 people, though, we do. Everyone put in 50, 100K and somebody put in you know a little more, a little less. All together, we can raise that capital. And so there's a formal structure to it. It's an SEC kind of thing. You've got to register, they get an exemption, but nobody has to get caught up in like how it's those, there's a lot of technicalities and a lot of legal stuff in there. There's experts that help you with this stuff. <laughs> They're syndication attorneys. They do all the stuff with the SEC. They do all the stuff with the states, all the stuff with the partners. They make all the paperwork simple and easy, and that's what they do for you. Uh, if you take away all that stuff, it's just you know a bunch of us got all together and we bought something bigger than what we would have been able to buy on our own, and that's how we did it. And so uh, the bank was giving us leverage, so the loan to value, I think I put it at 75, 78, somewhere right in there. The bank's willing to give us which is just mind blowing for a minute. It's a business. It's still a $7 million business that's making income, just like any other commercial retail spot on, you know, building on the side of the street that's selling goods, except our good is housing. And it's a $7 million valued property. The bank gives you 75% of that money. You try to go to, to the bank with any other business model, selling any other goods or services, and see if they'll give you 80% of the, or 75% of the money that's needed. And they did, they gave us 75% of the money that's needed because they know, regardless of the operator, there's tenants that are in place, they're spending rent, there's 124 of them. The chances are very small that 124 people would ever leave at one time. So regardless of what happens, the, the property is just gonna in, generate income. And that's what the bank wants to know that they're gonna give money on a quote unquote sure thing and they do. And, but that leaves us with, oh, I, uh, the reason is maybe 2 million and change is the bank gives you a good chunk of that. But then we also had to raise um, some capital for the improvements. Uh, we need a little bit of the improvements for the interior unit, you know? So we put all this money together and, and, and that's essentially the down payment. So it's, uh, you know, finding a lot of like-minded individuals uh, to, to come together and, you know, that, that part, 
could be a, a an obstacle for some people. I don't know 30 people that all have 50K. Well, shoot, neither did I, but there was three of us <laughs> and I knew six or seven and they knew six or seven. And uh, my partner had been doing it longer, knew 15 or, or more, right? And so once we all kind of come together, it was a group effort, team effort. And um, and that's essentially how we did it. And then, uh, yeah, let me pause and see if that answered the question. Yes. Does that help? Uh, yes. And, you know, for people that are investing as limited partners, the ones that are bringing the money, mm -hmm. uh, they are, you know, leveraging your experience or your partner's experience in this case. So if you have the money and you want to invest, but you don't have the knowledge, partnering with a syndicator will give you that uh, experience, right? Like you're going to partner for experience and then you're going to put the money. So that's a great way to start. Um, and so that, that, that is amazing. That two million is, is a big raise um, for, for your first one. So congrats, yeah. congrats on that for sure. Thank you very much. Productivity hack. All right. So now we are in the part of the show where um, Abel is going to sh uh, share with us his productivity hack. This is the one thing that he implemented on his business that has taken him to the next level. Yeah, uh, I was talking to Annette earlier about this. So this is a funny one for me. I am probably one of the worst organization people. Uh, I'm not very efficient. I can't build very good systems or tools. Sometimes I'm like, uh, there is this thought process, though, that I grew up with for years in my professional world. And that was from a company we built at Rackspace. I was there with them as a startup in 2006. The company went from 600 people to 6,000. Uh, they went from a $100 million a year business to about a $2 billion a year business when I exited. Uh, we, we went public and kind of exited out gracefully myself. And along that time, what we, what we were kind of, everyone hammered into our heads, uh, the, the top level, the visionary part of it was the culture, mission, vision was focus on your strengths, not on your weaknesses. And if you can focus on your strengths, like let's say you have a, an eight out of 10 at one of your skill sets, one of your strengths, the most, po you know, the most positive character traits you have about yourself, you will get so much more productivity out of making that eight like a nine or a 10. And it will be more effortless for you to put your time, effort, and energy in the part that you're really good at because you enjoy it. If you're already an eight, you enjoy doing it, you love it, but there's all these other things in your day that are like, they're necessary, that you absolutely have to do them, but they you, you don't like them, you dislike those things, and they just wear on your soul on your everyday thing. They, and your skill level is probably really low on those things. Like you may be a two out of 10 or a three out of 10 because you dislike them so much. You never do them. You don't practice them enough. You don't get good at them. And so that's what happens. So a lot of people will say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very horrible at organization. So I need to figure out how to get organized. This is, I'm, I'm talking to myself here. So what I stopped doing is saying that I don't, I don't really need to get organized. As a matter of fact, I need to focus on I enjoy talking with people, meeting with people, motivating, inspiring, helping others see a bigger picture uh, is what I really enjoy the most. I love being in groups of like 50 or 60 people. I enjoy being in the front of the room. I like, you know, th this, 
I get super excited by it, but put me in front of this organization thing where I've got to get super specific about every single detail, uh, you know, is something that I'm a two at or a three. So what I do is the productivity hack, I was taught to build a team with someone else that has this high level of attention or detail oriented or all these, the organization part that I may be missing and partner with them because they're already at an eight or a nine in this area. And you know what, what, what you do in your eight or nine is like their number two. They don't want to do it either. So the best productivity I have hack that I have is just partner, partner with people that are, will fill your uh, areas of, of <laughs> the areas that you don't want to do. There, there's people that will love to do whatever you need them to do because that's what they love to do. And, and when you, when you two, two or three or four people partner up and we're all meeting our, you know, every one of our deficiencies and we're all eight or nine trying to get to a 10 in our specific area of expertise, we're just going to crush it. And so that's my productivity app partner with the people that will help you fulfill your gaps. You focus on your strengths, they focus on their strengths, and we're all going to cover each other's weaknesses on a team. Excellent. I love it. It's so important uh, when you partner up to not just partner up with anybody, but like partner with people that will complement your skills, right? That's what you're saying. Like if you are not very good at something, then partner with somebody that is really, really good at that thing that you're lacking. So awesome advice. Expert tips. All right, so let's go to the three expert tips segment. And today, Avel is going to share with us three expert tips on acquiring a commercial loan. All right. Yes, ma'am. Well, I thought I would share this. Uh, not a lot of people know, or I, I don't really broadcast it a ton, but here we go, right? So I, I serve as a loan broker as well, a commercial real estate loan broker. And I help uh, other partners, other friends, teammates, et cetera, myself sometimes, source our own debt on deals. And uh, essentially for me, that's like, well, there's a $10 million building. The bank, if they do give you 75%, million, uh, $2.5 million loan, kind of like we're talking about. And the, the, the loan part of it is, it's kind of like a black box for most people. Like how, well, how do I do that? How do I get that much, you know, uh, dead on this deal? Well, the secret is the bigger, the better. <laughs> so uh, a $3 million property, a $2 million property doesn't really work. The banks don't like them if they're not at least four to $5 million. So it's a contrary to popular belief, the bigger is better in this area, which is kind of feels funny if you're coming from a residential background, whether it's an investor or whatever. Uh, you're thinking, well, the bank doesn't want to lend a lot of money because my income is super low and my debt to ratio, my debt to income ratio is this, and they don't want me to spend more than 500k on a house. Yeah, because it's a single family house, but a multifamily property, the more doors, the more scale, the more income, the better it is, the richer the asset, the more income it's going to generate. So, I've got a few uh, rules uh, to kind of you know look at or a, a few thought processes around this loan broker side. And if anybody needs help, you guys can call me directly too. So what the heck do I need to get a $10 million property, $7 million loan? You need net worth on your general partner team equal to the size of the loan. 
So if you're buying a $7 million deal, the bank's given us $5 million on it. We need $5 million collectively as a general partner team. When I bought my first deal, I, I said, I wasn't a $5 million net worth guy. Well, neither, neither was uh, actually a, a couple of our partners. We had a key principal who was a $5 million plus net worth guy. And you need 10% of the loan amount in liquidity, post-closing liquidity, after the loan closes in your bank account as well. So you, they want you to invest your own money, typically 10% of the, of the down payment. So the $2 million that we raised, they wanted 200K from us. We're like, between three people, we could do that. Four people, absolutely. 10% in the, in the deal, 10% of post-closing liquidity for the size of the loan. So if the loan amounts 5 million, our key principal also needed 500K of cash or stocks or anything liquid marketable securities or between your team, think of three individuals, maybe someone's one and a half million, one and a half million, someone's two. And between y'all, you have 150, 150, 200K, then you are qualified as a team to get a $5 million loan on a property. So that's the, those basic rules are, Again, 10% of, of, of the loan amount, post-closing liquidity, net worth equal to the size of the loan amount, 10% in the, in the deal, and someone has to have experience at least an hour and a half from the property, uh, meaning I've got a deal that I've done, and we've done one about an hour and a half. You need at least that. It'll go way easier and smoother if you have professional property management. They probably won't give you the loan if you've never done it. Or if you say, I'm gonna manage it myself, it's probably not gonna happen. You need professional property management, local experience. And if you have those components, you can go do a deal. Now, the, the, the other part of this is, uh, kind of going back to the team, if you have if you don't have any one of these components, I don't have net worth of $5 million. I don't have 500 K cash. I don't have one. I don't have experience. Okay. Well, that's what you don't have. Let's, let's focus on what you need. And how do I go partner with people that will help you fill that gap? And if you find one key principle, one experienced person, somebody with a liquidity, um, now you can build a team. You can go you know, fulfill those lacks with uh, somebody who already you know has has success or has a track record in that area, and y'all can go partner together, and so that's how you get a loan uh, for these deals. Even if you've never done one before, uh, you just go partner with the right team, and and now you're vetting everything out, and you can go do a deal. You can get your card punched, and uh, the cool part is once you've done it once, once you've done it twice, and you've done it three times, what happens is your net worth starts to grow because you're a percentage owner in multiple deals. Uh, your liquidity starts to grow because you're, you know, you're starting to do well. And now you've gotten a track record of experience as a principal, as a partner, even if you are uh, essentially riding shotgun through the deal. And the more times you do it, the easier it'll get. And over a while, people start asking you, hey, can you be my track record or experience partner? And people will ask you. And uh, last year, we turned down oh, in 2020 during COVID, I turned down about six deals. Uh, it's the first time I've had the opportunity to say, no, I'm not interested in being a partner on your deal. <laughs> so <laughs> we did that six times uh, because once you get a little track record, people will ask you and 
Um, I hope to have that number even grow. And the same thing, I hope to do more deals in 2021 than we did in 2020. Awesome. All right. This was amazing. I'm excited to hear your progress and, and what you will do this next year. Uh, so for people that want to find you and find your podcast, can you tell us where can they find you? Yeah, the, be the best place to go is our website. Uh, it's got links to everything. It's 5tcre.com, like 5t, 5talents, commercial real estate, 5tcre.com. Uh, and if they go to forward slash invest, you'll, you can fill out a form. You can set up some time to talk with me one-on-one. It's got links to our podcasts. We do the five talents podcast. We've got about, you know, good, a good number of episodes, about 140 ish shows. We were able to interview Grant Cardone, uh, Sharon Lecter, uh, a couple other billionaires, uh, which is really cool. And just, you know, just great individuals. We need to have you on the show as well, Ned, and then absolutely, uh, you know, just just having a, a a good group of folks to get some in, you know in uh, education from, and we got webinars, and I wrote a book last year during COVID, so that's on there as well. So happy to happy to share that with your audience. Awesome, thank you so much, and for those of you that are enjoying this episode, make sure to uh, subscribe to the channel to the channel and share the episode uh, with your friends. Thank you so much. Thanks, Annette. This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com, where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.